Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast. An exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, everyone. We are back. What episode are we on? Episode 15. All right. Oh, nice. nice. How are you guys feeling? How are we doing? We're good. I actually love listening to our introduction in the car, and I'm like kind of obsessed with this podcast. <laughs> We're our fans. I feel like we've said this before. I'm just and kidding. I literally just repeat. So awesome. Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast. Hi, guys. I hope you guys sing along in the car to our intro as well. If not, now I've planted a little seed. <laughs> so we're at an exciting point because we just wrapped up chapter two and we're diving into chapter three, karma yoga. And so bum, bum, bum. there was like chapter two was probably the longest chapter. Yeah. One of the longest <laughs> chapters in the entire book. So we covered a lot of things, right? So remember yeah. Krishna and Arjuna are on a battlefield and Krishna's like, hey, Arjuna, you need to kill all these evil people who also happen to be your family members. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> right? And so Arjuna's like giving all all of these arguments why he should not be killing them and and Krishna is rebutting as well. Yeah. And there's so there's a lot that's that's talked about in chapter 2. They talked about karma, they talked about reincarnation a little bit. The we talk, soul. We talk about the Oh my god. Oh, we talked so much about the soul. There was literally like 75 verses on just what the soul <laughs> Did is. You count them? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's like so many verses on like the constitution of the soul and how powerful it is and how it's like Wolverine it can never be destroyed, right? Yeah. So mm. chapter 2 was actually one of the most important chapters of the Gita because it talks about the basic premise of bhakti yoga yeah it's a summarized right the gita summarized that's yes. kind of what we got so now we get to the specific nitty-gritty of chapter three which is karma yoga yeah all right the invocation ladies Om Ajnana Timirandasya Yananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Translation, I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. All right, ladies, we're on chapter three. three. I'm so excited because chapter two was so long, but we got through <laughs> it. And so we are starting Text chapter one. three, Karma Yoga. Text one, Priyadarshini. Arjuna said, O Janardana, O Keshava, why do you want to engage me in this ghastly warfare? What? Why? War- oh. Ooh, ghastly warfare. War- I'm sorry, my Hispanic already came out. Warfare. If you think that intelligence is better than fruitive work. Mm. So Arjuna is speaking and he's like, Krishna, why do you want me to kill all these people? I have never, I haven't heard the term ghastly warfare in a very long time. <laughs> I mean, it's a very accurate description. Yeah. Right. So basically Krishna has the goal here, it says in the purport, to deliver his most intimate friend Arjuna from the ocean of grief and suffering. So that's why he wanted to explain elaborately the whole constitution of the soul, which we described in the previous chapter. And the path of realization has been recommended, buddhi yoga or Krishna consciousness. Yeah. Before we do that, can we just talk about the, the text itself? It says, you want me to engage in warfare. If you, Why would you want me to engage in warfare if you think that intelligence is better than fruitive work? So like, they're Let's saying, break that down. Yeah. So yeah, right. can you just break that particular sentence down? I think Arjuna... Towards the end of the purport, it elaborates more even what this text means, but he's basically switching Krishna's argument around on him and saying, right, Krishna, if you think using my intelligence is better than just doing fruit of work, just kind of engaging my senses in work, isn't that what you're asking me to do now by fighting? Aren't you asking me 
to just do fruit of work when you're saying fight? Right. So fruit of work would be like any work in which we're like looking out for the results. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. So Arjuna is basically here in the purport. It says he also thought of Krishna consciousness or Buddha yoga or intelligence and spiritual advancement of knowledge as something like retiring from active life and the practice of penance and austerity like in a running, secluded place. Yeah. Running wants, away to a mountain. Exactly. And like all you're doing is chanting the names of God and not caring about, it's like spiritual retirement. Exactly. <laughs> so in other words, he wants to skillfully avoid fighting by using Krishna consciousness as an excuse. But as a sincere student of Krishna, he's kind of presenting this matter to Krishna, but like, wait, so what are you saying, Krishna? What is the best course of action? Yeah, it's yeah. important that you mention the word sincere, right? Because I don't want it to seem like Arjuna is combating. Arjuna is simply clarifying. Like he's mm -hmm. trying to understand right, what right. exactly Krishna wants him to do. Yeah, and I think this is a really practical question because a lot of people think like, okay, what can I do? For, like, how can I behave in this world? Isn't the best way to behave in this world to not affect anyone, right? Mm -hmm. And it says right here, um, sometimes Krishna consciousness is misunderstood to be inertia. So I looked up inertia mm -hmm. and it's like a tendency to do nothing or to remain unchanged, right? This mm -hmm. idea of like, if I'm just... I don't affect other people, then I'm fine, right? Like right. If, as long as I just live my life and I don't affect other people, I'm fine. But actually there's so much more to it, yeah. right? Like we can't just stay still and... Yeah. You know those Babaji's like in India that are just like living yeah. in like caves and stuff and all they do is meditate? I think Krishna is like, no, not quite like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. And that's why Krishna wanted to so elaborately, which is kind of what we're about to do in this next chapter, he's going to explain karma yoga, which is work in Krishna consciousness in this third chapter of the Gita. Yeah. Um, let's see. Anything uh, else on number one? Text that's one. It, that's it. You know, I have a little thought, Priya, while you look through, if we're missing anything, how this applied to my life. For instance, in the summer, mm -hmm. I mentioned in previous episodes that I had just connected to my spiritual master and I kind of went to be with him. And it's this new connection in person, at least, even though we know the spiritual master's relationship with us is eternal. So I wanted to, when I got back from seeing him, I was having a real hard time juggling, getting back into my master's program, juggling, teaching, being with the kids. And I had a phone conversation with my mom saying, I would much rather just, gosh, drop everything, go to India and mm. be with him. But my mom was having a conversation with me saying, that's that's not the point of spiritual practice. It's yeah. through mm. service that you really feel connected to God, to Krishna, to your spiritual guru and guides. That's mm. when you're going to really feel it. Through service and action or karma yoga is when you'll feel the eternal connection. Yeah. So get this, I close my door. Normally I walk to school around this one little path, but my school isn't in front of this church. It's the Catholic school. So that day I thought, I'm gonna walk through the church. And I get to the church and this huge book is open and it's open to this one chapter where Jesus Christ is telling his disciples, I have to leave you guys now. I have to depart this world. And there's so much more I want to say, but it's going to be through service that you're going to feel my eternal connection. And I was like, mm, oh my God, that's that. what I was just talking about with my mom. The signs are there. No, I love that. <laughs> but anyway. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you for that example. Because I think we all feel that way when we have bad days at school or work or in our personal lives where we just want to drop everything and mm -hmm. escape, right? right yeah. And so Krishna's like, nope, but that's not quite the, the solution here. Yeah. Right. So he's like, okay, let's talk about karma yoga. Let me tell you about it. That's kind of where we're heading. Right. Yes. Because even people who don't know anything about bhakti yoga, when you hear bhakti yoga, you might, you might think, oh, is that going to the Himalayas and just dropping everything and meditating in a seclusion? Mm. And that's kind of what is saying Arjuna thought it was. But it is not. It All is right. not. Text two. Text two. My intelligence is bewildered by your equivocal instructions. Therefore, please tell me decisively which will be most beneficial for me. 
So this is Arjuna still talking, right? And mm-hmm. he's like, okay, but seriously though, like, like let's be very specific with your answer. <laughs> like, don't give me like this, this, this vague answer that I need to clarify. Like, I'm asking you for clarification, yeah. Krishna. Yeah. He's asking like, of all the paths that we've been discussing, like, what do you right. want me to do, yeah. right? Because there's, there's doing your duty. There's all these things, and like, how do I know what I'm supposed to do? Yeah. Right. The past chapter was jam packed with so much, and it was all presented. It says in the purport unsystematically, but Arjuna really wanted something direct more organized outline of the path would be necessary for action and understanding. Yeah. So before we talked about Sankhya yoga and Buddhi yoga, and these were explained as like, Sankhya was like a methodical, I mean, I think we're going to cover it in the next chapter. So I mean, in the next text, actually, so I'm going to wait. <laughs> I got ahead of myself yeah, for we'll, a second. We'll, yeah, You're we'll pulling in Arjuna and saying, tell uh, me now yeah, everything, Krishna, what to do? He asked, like, he's like, I want you to be very specific, Krishna, okay? Because this is my life and I need you not to give me an airy-fairy response where I need to interpret it. Like, please tell me, he says the, he says the word decisively. Right. <laughs> and I love this last line of the purport that says, by his questions, he's clearing the path of Krishna consciousness for all students who seriously want to understand the mystery of the Bhagavad Gita. That's yeah. us. He's, he's doing it for us <laughs> yeah, and all of yeah. our listeners. He's clearing the path for all of us so that we know specifically Specifically, what to do with our lives. (laughs) Beautiful. Okay. Anything else or text three? No, that's good. Text Text three. three. All right. The Supreme Personality of Godhead said, O sinless Arjuna, I have already explained that there are two classes of men who try to realize the self. Some are inclined to understand it by empirical philosophical speculation and others by devotional service. Mm. Ooh. So, so there's two types of people. Two types of people that this purport actually is so interestingly, interestingly going to dive into. Yeah. And so I looked up empirical. Oh, thank God. I'm glad <laughs> someone did. Because I was like, oh, are we going to pretend? Because I don't know what that means. Okay. <laughs> it means based on observation or experience rather than logic. So like, like experimenting, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, oh, I see that this person is happy when they eat ice cream. That must mean that anyone who eat ice cream will be happy. Yeah. Okay. It's just, it's not necessarily logic. It's just experience or observation. So that's what we would consider. um, Sankhya yoga. Sankhya Sankhya yoga, yoga. which is like more analytical. It's like trying to understand the nature of the spirit and matter. Um, Right. It's for people who are kind of more like, I think of people here in the academic realm where they're more inclined to speculate and understand things by experimental knowledge, philosophy. So people who have that mind, they kind of naturally through the modes of nature and the qualities they innately have, they gravitate a little more towards Sankhya yoga and understanding uh, the nature of the self and spirit and matter through so, this route. So it's like professors, mm-hmm. academics, <laughs> scientists. What'd you say? Scientists. Yeah. yeah okay. Right. Got it. But then a little lower, one of you can read, what does it say about buddhi yoga in the purport? Is- oh, buddhi yoga. That's okay. So I have a question about that. <laughs> what are you okay? going to say, Shama? Because you were like, what do you should explain that. And I was like, wait a minute. Um, buddhi yoga. Do we know exactly what it is? Is this clarified in this purport? Is yeah, that devotional is- service? Is that working Krishna yeah. consciousness? Well, it says buddhi yoga is to depend entirely on the Supreme or more specifically on Krishna. And in this way, all the senses can be brought under control very easily. And it says, therefore, both the yogas are interdependent as religion and philosophy. 
Ooh, okay. Yeah, so, I also, uh, Buddha Yoga also could be, um, I know it says like Buddha Yoga is Krishna consciousness. When you break down the word, Buddhi means intelligence and yoga means mystic activities. So it can be like action driven by like higher intelligence. It's like seeking knowledge within Krishna consciousness. Gotcha. So like Buddha Yoga. So like, I think we're talking about uh, different ways of practicing Krishna consciousness, right? right. Like you can uh, go I through like, like, you can go through Buddha Yoga, which is more like seeking the knowledge and like trying to understand and become intelligent through that. Or you can talk about um, Sankhya yoga, which is more like based on what you're experiencing or mm. experiments and stuff like that. So we're kind of like talking about Krishna consciousness in di like different, different ways. ways to get into it. And in this particular, they're talking about the two types, whether it's through experiments and like that, or whether it's through intelligence yeah. and like service. Right? There's, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's right. one part of the purport that I love, and I've heard this before, actually. Yeah. It says religion without philosophy is sentiment. Or sometimes fanaticism, right? Mm -hmm. So think about it. Religion without some sort of like blueprint of how to do things. Yeah. It's just like it's it's fanaticism, right? Mm -hmm. And then while philosophy without religion is mental speculation. So right. say you have all of these theories and things, but you don't actually have the religious basis or what's really important. Then you're just kind of, you're making speculating. You're making it up. It's whimsical, right. right? Yeah. And it's so interesting because at the end of the purport, so now we've laid out Sankhya Yoga, Buddhi Yoga, then it's about to put them into a bit of a hierarchy because it says, okay, the whole process is to understand the real position of the self in relation to the Supreme Self or Krishna. So the indirect process, which we said was Sankhya Yoga, is the philosophical speculation by which you, you may gradually come to the point of Krishna consciousness, but the other process is directly connecting everything with Krishna consciousness. So as Priya said, it's through, it's through service, through knowledge, but within Krishna consciousness. So then it says of these two paths of Krishna consciousness, oh no, sorry, of these two paths, the path of Krishna consciousness is better because it does not depend on purifying the senses by a philosophical process. Can we can we break that? What is Krishna consciousness again? For the, the, the listeners that are just tuning into chapter three, right? And yeah. Um, I mean, I think the idea of Krishna consciousness, it's, it's hard to explain in super simple terms, mm -hmm. but the idea is like being conscious of Krishna in all ways, right? Yeah. So like, uh, everything that we do in our lives, Krishna comes into our mind, mm -hmm. whether it's like what we, we go to work and why are we going to work? Like we have intention that our work is later, either the fruits of our work, which is like how much the money we make, we can donate to the temples right. or, or whatever. Like we kind of make everything to be connected to Krishna. That's what Krishna consciousness in Got our right. mind is. Maybe right. somebody else has a different yeah, explanation. No, yeah. I was going to say the same thing, connecting everything to Krishna. And for someone just tuning in, tuning in, when we say Krishna, God, connecting everything to Krishna, to the, the divine source of everything. Yeah. So going back to what you said, Shamli, so like Krishna consciousness is the better path. Like, like that's what Krishna is trying to explain here. Right. Okay. Because instead of, I have an example, actually, I call it taste the honey, because imagine you have a honey jar and we could through Sankhya yoga philosophically speculate by just looking at what mm. do you think the honey tastes like? Let's analyze it. Let's experiment on it. I'm, I'm tapping the jar. Ooh, it has this consistency and that, but why don't you just open the the lid and taste the honey we through the direct the process. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, just pull a Winnie the Pooh and just like grab a chunk of honey. Pull away the poo. Winnie, Winnie the Pooh. I'm sorry. Winnie I the think poo. she's talking about Winnie the Pooh, not Poo Poo. Yeah, Winnie, Winnie the Pooh. I, I understood what Shama was saying. Shamali, I think you went a different direction there. I, don't know. <laughs> I heard you say pulling the poo poo. No, I did not. <laughs> anyway, anyway but, but, but going back to your example, right? It's like actually experimenting, like putting right. your hand in the and honey stick. 
holding the honey. You know, yeah. actually I have <laughs> my parents and one of their uh, God sisters who basically means, right, they have the same spiritual master. They told me that about the tasting the honey because I have a mind that likes to analyze and turn mm-hmm. things inside out and see all of the angles. But if you just take a moment to experience this for yourself and you feel it, taste the honey, in other words, then it'll answer so many doubts that we could talk about forever. It's kind of like explaining what it feels like to be in love to someone who's never been in love. Yeah. Also, it's like, it's like Sanki Yoga in a way, it's a little bit of inaction because you're just kind of speculating. You're You're not talking about it a lot. Oh yeah, I'm (laughs) spiritual. Yeah, because you know, like spiritual people do spiritual. Like it's like talking about it, but not really doing anything about it. And as we said, it's not inertia, it's action. Yeah. So right. th- I think that makes sense now, right? Because th- th- those people are looking at that jar of honey and they're like analyzing what it could be. Where it's like in spiritual life, it's like, I always like to have a don't knock it till you try it type of mentality mm. where it's like actually mm-hmm. do it and see how you feel afterwards. Right, yeah. right. All right, text four. All right, Priya. Not by merely abstaining from work can one achieve freedom from reaction, nor by renunciation alone can one attain perfection. Mm. Okay, so basically, they're saying that like retiring into a forest, right, is not a good way to do it, right? Yeah, and also like oh, you're, you know, we don't want to like. Okay, we talked about karma and like how there's good karma and bad car- bad karma, yeah. right? So they're saying like just from not doing anything, it doesn't mean that you're not going to get a reaction, right? Right? Uh, gotcha. Like just not by not doing anything, you can still accrue some reaction. And then also like you can't just renunciate and attain perfection that way. You can't just like go, like you were saying, live in a forest and do nothing and then go back to God. Right. Cause it's kind of the concept of you have to be honest and real with yourself. Where are you at what point in yes. the path? You can't totally just be inspired by all by all of this right off the bat and be like, I'm going to give up everything, like we said, and go to right. the forest. Because it says in the purport, prescribed forms of duties or your dharma is laid down to just purify the hearts of our materialistic tendencies. But if we don't go through that process of purification, we can't just abruptly drop yeah. everything and expect to like be totally pure right off the bat. What happens if you get rid of all your things? Let's say like you're like, I'm going to be a minimalist. I'm only going to have my bed and a pot and I don't know, like the minimalist nice. of things, right? Like you might find that it was not, it was not the right fit for you in like precisely in that moment that maybe it would have been better to like get rid of one thing at a time slowly yeah. and reduce the amount of things you had. But like maybe it wasn't the perfect fit to only have a pot and a bed. Right. You know, and and you know what? Maybe given the qualities and the tendencies you have, you can do a lot more service being out there in the world, spreading Krishna consciousness, spreading mode of goodness to people. than if you give up everything and just whatever, go to India alone in a secluded mountain. Yeah. yeah. Going back to this word renunciation, right? Right. So I, I like we hear that word all the time, but do mm. people know what that means? Is like essentially to give up everything. So there's mm. different orders of life, right? So there's yep. four different orders of life. Do we know yeah. what all those are called? Priya, yeah. So out. we have brahmacharya. So like brahmacharis are people who are students or trying to learn. Yep. They're usually considered to be uh, up to the age of 18 ish ish. And then and then you have grihastas, which is like the married folks. Gotcha. Um, okay. Uh, the working folks, you could working say, folks, the making children, people who are generally uh, maintaining society financially and establishing uh, families. Yes, making, and, making babies. And then we have Vanaprasta. <laughs> What's Vanaprasta? Vanaprasta is like your kids are gone; they are starting their own lives, and you're kind of in a retirement age, and yes. so you're now living like a simpler life. You're focused back again in spirituality. 
And you are doing service. Okay, nice. And then the last one. And then sannyas is what some people take. And it's not necessarily that everyone should do this, but it's basically you give up everything. You give up staying in your home and you travel around the world and you uh, live live a life of sacrifice in a sense because you don't have your own home. You're just kind of going around the world preaching and like sharing about Krishna Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, following certain principles. Um, No, I think you nailed it. Those are the four (laughs) orders of life. And so going back to the verse itself, right? Nor by renunciation alone can one attain perfection. So like jumping way far ahead to that fourth stage when you're not ready, like Mm -hmm. that's not the name of the game, right? You can't just give up everything. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Because yeah, like think about a student, right? Like they're like, oh, I'm done with life. I'm just going to be and renunciate and not have a place to live and just travel. You can do that temporarily, but is that going to be your long, like, are yeah. you at that stage in life? Are you, re- some people might be, some people might be like, but I it's am, very rare, but very it's very rare. rare. So it's, it's, I think the, the process of these stages is like they're on purpose because it's what most of us sort of need in life right. to go from learning, some sort of guidance, to some sort of path, right. Yeah. That for yeah. us to follow. And so like trying to become a renunciate, um, Prematurely, prematurely sometimes be disastrous. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that's what it's saying right here. It can be disastrous. Love it. Okay. Anything else or text five? Text five. Text five. Everyone, yeah, everyone is forced to act helplessly according to the qualities he has acquired from the modes of material nature. Therefore, no one can refrain from doing something, not even for a moment. Mm. <laughs> There's a lot to break down, yes. I feel, here. Mm-hmm. What catches my attention in the purport, it says, it's the nature of the soul to always be active. So, right, this active we're notion. We're always doing something. We're always doing something. <laughs> yeah. And without the presence of the spirit soul, our material body can't move. It's just like a lump there. The body's a dead vehicle to be worked by the spirit soul. Yeah. So, since the soul has to be engaged in some work, it's going to be moving. It's going to be engaged in something. Yeah. Why not engage it in Krishna consciousness? If not, it's just going to be in occupations dictated by illusion, this illusory energy, which is kind of like the material nature. Uh, so you're going to be serving something, your senses or serving God. Yeah, I um, when I was younger, I was in a lecture or a class or some sort. And I don't remember where I learned this, but I, it's it's an incomplete thought process. So I'm just going to give you what I got. Okay, go yeah, for ready? it. Give, give us so what like, you got. And this is also <laughs> what my brain concocted to it. It's not speculation, I swear. I'm, I'm going to try my best here. All right. All right. So um, think about me as a Hispanic person. Mm. Okay. So each one of us has came into this world with a desire to do something, mm. right? Uh, we might not fully even know what that desire is. It might be some of us really want to be famous or really want to have 10 children or really whatever. We want to experience something. Uh, and, and and those examples are not the only examples. Anyways, <laughs> you, you want to experience something, right? And so based on that desire that you have, you're given a body that um, fits those desires, right? right so like yeah. they'll say like, you know, there's three modes of nature, right? So like goodness, passion, and ignorance. Yes. So they'll be like, all right, she wants to be a Latina who wants to dance. I'm being really silly right now, yeah. but you kind of get the idea. She wants to be a Latina who really likes to dance, who is outgoing and da 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 Okay, let's give her 60% passion. Yeah. For, <laughs> you oh, know I what I mean? That. Yeah, like, yeah. Or like, oh, let's say 30% passion, uh, 20% goodness, and this much ignorance. And like a percentage of each of those to kind of make up who you are and like what you act, what you want to accomplish That's in life, right? wild. So these things are what make you be, um, it says right here, helplessly, uh, what is the word? 
act helplessly. Like you have a desire and therefore you're giving the modes and therefore you like you have to kind of use them, right? Yeah. Like you're giving them because you have a desire. Therefore you have to use them. That's why you're always active. Cause it's like, I came with a purpose to earth to experience these things. Cause I thought I wanted them. Right. Yeah. Cause that's ultimately the thing we thought we want them. Uh, ideally we want to be with Krishna cause that's a better place to be. Right. Um, but that's, that's what I imagine when it's talking about the qualities that we have acquired from the modes of material nature. Yeah. Right. Just, just talking about that. I, this might be a little off track, but based <laughs> off of what you were saying is yeah. like, how do we get those bodies that we like, that we need to fulfill our dreams? Right. For instance. Right. right? So I, I was, I was reading about this article basically where it's like, Every single thing, whether it's on social media or billboards or anything that like, you know how we like just scroll through our phone and we see image after image after image, like every image that we see leaves, they say in Sanskrit, a sanskara, like Mm. on our heart, like basically like an impression impression Mm. on our heart. Right. So like, say that we're like constantly just like to use your example, we're constantly like watching um, TikTok videos of like Latin dancers, like constantly. That's our, our for you page is just filled with that, right? Or for instance, like we're just watching like sleepy cats, right? Like we just we like, love these like dumb cat videos, right? And like our entire for you page is just that, right? The dumb cat videos are, I think, more mode of ignorance, right? And it's like, oh man, I wish I was that cat. I could just sleep all day, right? Mm. And so like our body comes back because we need to fulfill those desires in some way or another. And to your point, it's like we we come in those bodies to fulfill the impressions that were made on our heart in this lifetime. So when we like look through like every single image, whether it's a billboard or a television commercial or anything that we see on TikTok, on Instagram, like that is important. Like that Mm. leaves an impression or a desire. Right to fulfill those things. I mean, you can see like people traveling and going on vacation and you think, oh, I want to go there. I want to go to Tahiti. Oh my gosh, that girl has the best outfit. Oh, I want to dress like that. Like all the things that we want, accumulating desires that we ultimately don't need because like who, you know... Yeah, and so. it's kind of scary because, like, imagine how much time we spend on TikTok and Instagram, mm. looking at image after image after image, and those sanskars, those imprints add up. Right. I mean, even if it isn't like, there's some people that have really healthy habits, and I think maybe Shamali is one of those people. Like, she <laughs> yes. doesn't have social media, so let's say like Shamali is like the people who you encounter every day, the people who you're talking, the things that they're saying. Like, there's so many ways to get these like little desires accumulation of desires yeah. through talking to people seeing things even right. just like i'm so busy i wish i could have a vacation like this person has like all these things that we start accumulating shamley how does it feel to be like one of the chosen children of god and like not be <laughs> succumb to the pressures of social media like get, how is your life without social media because i envy you i want to no. be you i get to pay attention to the voices in my head instead of the ones on my phone <laughs> 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 is that a blessing or a curse? I don't know. I kid, I kid. But it's so true that we have to be so careful with where our attention drifts yes, to. Because yeah. when we come into contact with the material energy, we're building those impressions in our heart. Yes. And that's how the spirit soul acquires different material modes. So mm-hmm. we have to be so careful to choose. We're laying out our... It goes beyond this life. My gosh, we're not only paving our future path, but the next life to come and the next. And we just want to get out of here, out of, as we've said, the elevator of going up and down this cycle of birth and death. Thank you for taking it full circle. Yeah, <laughs> I went on a tangent and Shamley brought it back to the verse. No, and for I'm sure. so grateful. I mean, no, no, it, no. it says right here, if the soul is engaged in Krishna consciousness, whatever he is able to do is good for him. So ideally, that's what we want to do, right? Instead of like spending most of our time on the social medias or with the voices in our head, we want to spend it like spending time learning about Krishna, understanding yeah, right. ourselves, trying to 
be better people, like all these things that will make a different kind of impact in our hearts. Yes. Yes. And you know, tying this to inertia, it makes sense because since the soul is by very nature always active, you can't stop that action. So as I said, you're going to be serving somebody, your senses are serving God. You know, my mom was so cute. She pointed out, she's like, that's like the Bob Dylan song, gotta serve somebody. And I looked up the lyrics and one of the lyrics said, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Anything else for this text. Mm, it says here in contact with the material energy. So this world, the spirit soul, so us acquire material modes. So like passion, ignorance, goodness, and to purify our soul, um, it is necessary to engage in the prescribed duties that are spoken here in the Shastras or in the, like the scriptures. So that's mm -hmm. why Krishna consciousness is the way. Nice. Love that. All right, moving on to the next text. Yes, text right. six, Shamali. Shamali. Okay. One who restrains the senses of action, but whose mind dwells on sense objects, certainly deludes himself and is called a pretender. Oof. This is big. Oof, this goes really. beyond action, but seeps into our thoughts as well. But it's it's kind of goes back with the idea of like being at your stage and not pretending to be somewhere else, right? Yeah. Like if you if you're like, well, no, 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 I am, I am perfect. I definitely don't care about TikTok or any of these mm -hmm. things. I'm above I, it. I'm above it all. Right. Like that's pretending. That's not realistically being where you are. And I think that's kind of what they're saying here. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> It's kind of like spirituality sometimes can become a container that we're more focused on what's the what's the container than what's on the inside. Mm -hmm. We have to be more focused on our internals rather than making a whole show of I'm so holy. Yes. I'm so spiritual. Let me post about it oh so my everyone God. can see. <laughs> guys, have you guys seen this documentary on Netflix it's called Wild Wild Country? No. 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 Okay. So let me tell you about it real quickly. Okay. <laughs> okay so yeah. there's this guy, right? I think his name, his name was Osho or like, um, he used to have everybody called him Bhagwan, which essentially means God. He made everybody call him God essentially. Like right. Gosh. So he's like this Indian guy that came to the West and started a cult. And it was like in this like random farmhouse. And so he was like, showing himself to be like a renunciate. He's like, oh, I'm this great spiritual yogi man and you should follow me and whatnot. Mm. It, like, side note, like it was like a weird sex cult. Like he just like <laughs> encouraged everybody to have these these parties that it was really bad. He also had, <laughs> like he was pretending to this be this knowledgeable yogi man, right? Mm. And that everybody should follow him because he knows the path. He also had, get this, 96 Rolls Royces. That's not uh, a yogi man. You know what I mean? No, like no, that's no. someone who in this verse is a pretender, right? He's pretending yeah. to be someone he's not. Anyways, you guys should check out the documentary. Really <laughs> really we are not promoting that ourselves. No, we're not. We're, no, no, we're not sponsored by that. We're not sponsored by that particular No, but it definitely goes back to the, the text because it's saying like one who um, restrains the sense of action, but then dwells on sense objects, right? Like you're right. still thinking like about all the material stuff that yeah. you want to have. You're just pretending. Yep. Where he's like, I am, you know, I am God. I am controlled. I am knowledge. I'm all these things. And then here's he doing completely opposite things. Yeah. That's yes. terrible. Yeah. So basically, I think this text is also trying to say just if you understand where you are in life, right? Like in which status. And by status, it just means like the brahmachari, the grihastas, the process, like where you are in life. It says you can make gradual progress in purifying your existence if you follow the regular the rules and regulations of your particular status. So yeah. like where you are, if you just, you know, keep going slowly. Hmm. Okay. Anything else or text seven? 
Oh, it says, uh, but he who makes a show of being a yogi while actually searching for object sense gratification must be called the greatest cheater. So that's exactly yeah. like yeah. Bhagavan, right? Like yeah. he's like pretending to be a yogi and then actually looking for people to give him money so he can yes. have awesome things. Uh, that who needs 96 Rolls Royces? <laughs> no one. What do you do? Where do you go? You have your own parade every day? Like, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> Anyways, yeah. that's the greatest cheater. Yep. Yeah. So Prabhupada says that person has no, no value and has a very impure mind. Gotcha. Mm. All right. Ooh. So text number seven. Is All that right. me? Oh, yeah, that's you, Priya. On the other hand, if a sincere mm. person tries to control the active senses by the mind and begins karma yoga in Krishna consciousness without attachment, he is by far superior. I love it. It says sincere person, right? Someone mm -hmm. who just really just wants to be closer to Krishna and like starts this process from a very sincere place. I love the use of the word sincere here. Yeah, it says it is far better to remain in one's own business and execute the purpose of life, which is to get free from the material bondage and enter in the kingdom of God. Whoa, that was a lot. Um, I think here just saying, again, if we think about karma yoga uh, as offering your work as service, right? So like whatever it is that you do, the results of it, you try to give it to Krishna. Not all of it, obviously, but you know, like everything you do, you do with Krishna in mind. And specifically when we're talking about work, um, then you're considered to be better. And that person is also actively controlling their senses. So gotcha. like, whoa, I'm sorry. I just try to explain that to myself and got circularly confused. <laughs> right. It's basically saying like, you don't have to retire everything and go to the mountains. Here it says a householder, like one who lives his normal life, his job, his family, taking care of children. You can also reach this destination, reach mm. the godly platform of attaining love of God by regulated service, by offering your devotion to Krishna. And it says, I love the ending line, a sincere sweeper in the streets is far better than the charlatan meditator who only does it for the sake of kind of the show, you know? Yeah, mm. that's real. It's like that guy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like a sincere sweeper of the streets. Like if you're, it doesn't matter what level you are, how popular or how many followers you have. If you're sincere, then you're better than the person that's just trying to do this for money or fame. And right. I think this is maybe why Arjuna was a little confused because then he's like, well, then what do I do, right? Because you're saying here, okay, the sweeper is good because they're doing their duty and they're following through even sincerely. though- Sincerely, right? So it's like, so Krishna's like, yeah, that's that's why you should fight. Mm. Even though fighting is like the thing that doesn't feel right, it is his duty yeah. to do that thing, right? right. So it's uh, interesting how he's kind of tying it in. Yeah? Can I Love take that. this moment? Because here they bring up the householder, the street sweeper, all in connection to karma yoga or action yoga. And I want to take a moment to break it down a little bit, yep. the difference with karma yoga and bhakti yoga. Love it. Because they're all working Krishna consciousness. So then one might ask, what, what is the difference? Is it so nuanced that it's bypassing my mind? So we were talking about this earlier. You have your eternal dharma first and your temporary dharma or duty. So your eternal dharma is more connected to your eternal constitutional position with God, being his eternal servant, basically. Right. That's beyond this existence, doesn't have a beginning, middle, or end. That's eternal dharma. Then on the other hand, you have your temporary dharma. That's more connected to the modes of nature, the, the qualities you've been given as an individual that are going to dictate what temporary position do you have? Your work. Are you, your work. Yeah, I was like, what is a temporary position? Okay. Are you a teacher? Got are a you an executive? Position. Are you an accountant? What is your work? We have to live and work and survive in this life. Are right. you a street sweeper, a householder? What do you do? That's your temporary dharma. Gotcha. Yeah, because so, temporary because you will eventually not be in this world 
bodily, right? So you're only doing it for the 80, 90, 100, whatever You're an accountant for 90 years. Okay. So Bhakti Yoga is, Bhakti Yoga is directly doing devotional service that's connected to your eternal dharma. Beautiful if you can make your whole life Bhakti Yoga. But what about if you have to live and survive in this world? Then they're saying, even for those that you have to engage in your temporary duties, you can spiritualize that because everything is spiritual, all based on your consciousness through karma yoga or action yoga. So you can make everything an offering to God. So I'm a teacher. I would love to do everything bhakti yoga, but right now I feel there's stepping stones that are going to take me there. But right now I'm going to dedicate my job as a service to God, knowing that it's not me. And through this, you spiritualize your senses. You feel like, okay, through my consciousness, I'm going to see myself, number one, as an instrument for God's will, for Krishna's will. It's not me doing this, but it's Krishna working through me. And that'll automatically start a eliminating the ego. Oh, it's me, me, me as the doer. So through karma yoga, you can spiritualize your temporary dharma or your work by not seeing yourself as the doer, by being detached from the results. We had kind of in previous, like in the summary of the Gita, we laid out these different equations for how you can do it, being detached from the re- from the results. And then you start working as an instrument for Krishna to work through you. And it's no longer you, but it's Krishna working through you. So you spiritualize everything you do. Shamali, can I ask you like, with you being a teacher, can you take us through this? Like, how does one do this on a practical basis? Like, for instance, mm. you being a teacher, like, how do you shift your mindset? Do you say like, okay, I'm supposed to teach these children because right. it's well, something, yeah. It's so much in the attitude because instead of, okay, in the summer when I got back and I just wanted to give everything up and go be with my spiritual master, there was a moment where I felt like, Ugh, I don't want to go into work. I know that. Like dreading, I know that <laughs> putting my heels into the ground. No, no, no. But that's not, that's kind of a material consciousness because then I'm seeing myself as the doer. This is me, my job. I don't want to do this. And my parents were talking about, no, this is part of your service. You're trying to reach these children and this will lead you to the next thing. And then you become an instrument for God's will, for Krishna's will, because he's going to guide you from moment to moment to moment in interactions. Mm. And that day I got to work and I started having this incredible Krishna conscious conversation with my fellow coworker. And that moment I felt like, whoa, I'm meant to be in this position at this time. Later, a kid was crying and I was able to talk to this child about prayer and God's in your heart. And all these little moments the that I started feeling, moments, yeah. okay, my perspective is changing and Krishna is putting me in the position I'm meant to be in at this exact time. So through my consciousness, I can see, okay, Lord, I'm yours. What do you want me to do, say, and be in this moment? So that's how you Oof. can spiritualize anything. That requires a lot of faith, but a you explained it faith. so beautifully. Yeah. I also think it's really cool that you explained it that way because somebody who works, let's say with computers might be like, what am I supposed to do in terms, like, how do I connect this yeah. to Krishna, right? Like, or, or right. someone who works with cars or someone who works, whatever the, the different thing might be. Teaching is one of those places where you can kind of infuse whatever mm-hmm. you're doing with a little bit of Krishna because it's kind of part of you know, you're teaching. So you can always right. put a little bit, but there's other careers where you're like, how would I even connect mm. it to Krishna? But I think it's not necessarily that you have to like talk, like it's not that you have to be like, I am a sales engineer and let me tell you about Krishna. Like, right. I don't think yeah. that's the case of you karma yoga. Fired real fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the point, right? Like, I think what you're saying is like you, doing your duty is part of like the karma yoga, just doing your duty, like right. doing your job. And then Krishna will lead you through doing your job. You might meet the right. person that you're supposed to preach to, or you oh. might, you might, um, make uh, new connections that eventually lead you to a position in which you can serve the devotees in a better way. Exactly. Like just do your duty. It doesn't have to be necessarily connected to Krishna. Like an accountant is not 
necessarily thinking about Krishna. I mean, it's good for to think about Krishna. I'm just saying their <laughs> right. job might not be precisely connected to Krishna, but totally. you never know how just doing your job well could reflect. Like, for example, just becoming a really well-known professor, even if you're a mm. professor of uh, math or, you know, whatever it might be, just being known as a great professor. If someone finds out you are a Hare Krishna, you like you're in Krishna consciousness, they'd be like, oh, wow, I didn't know that devotees could be professors. Even that's a great service on its right. own. Yeah. So like just I, like what I'm understanding from you is like just doing your duty is such a like the empirical thing. Like a lot of people think like, well, how do I have to connect it to Krishna? How does it have to be? And it's just don't, don't worry, think, you're becoming Exactly. You're becoming the doer when you think of it that way. Krishna will take care of that. Yeah, I love that. I thought that was really, really cool that yeah. you said that. And that is, thank you. That's the point though of karma yoga. That's exactly what it is. Connecting even something that's indirectly connected to Krishna. Because we know bhakti yoga is the direct route. Okay, I'm directly doing service. But this chapter I feel is totally dedicated to all the workers out there in the world that want to be connected and want to be instruments. They are doing something already if they change their internal mindset. When yeah. you're doing the dishes for your family, think about Krishna. This is my service to them. We want to become servants. It's all about our internal mood and Krishna will take care of the rest. Yeah. I mean, I think, Ooh, I beautiful. mean, I don't know how to answer this thought, but like, that's the same thing Arjuna's thinking, right? I was pretty like, in sync. <laughs> I, was, I have my notes. Talk about example, Arjuna fighting. Full circle. <laughs> I was just thinking like, Arjuna's thinking like, how is fighting supposed to be the right thing? Right. right? Like how right. is this? But it's just doing your duty will then, will then lead you to serving Krishna. In this case, Krishna's literally in front of him saying like, do it. And so yeah. it's kind of like- <laughs> But his duty is what? His duty is to fight, right? right. He's born in a he's soldier a family. He's born as a warrior. His duty is to fight. Exactly. Yeah. So connecting it back to the concepts of bhakti yoga and karma yoga, you might think, okay, on one hand, like you said, Priya, Krishna's directly telling Arjuna, fight. So that's bhakti yoga because he's directly doing service. But on the other hand, Fighting is his occupational duty or yeah. his dharma. He's a satriya, which means a warrior. So that's in a way his karma yoga because fighting, you might not think that's not devotional service. Wait a minute. But it's the same thing as accounting but, uh -huh. or, or like a mechanic or anyone else, right? Exactly. He's indirectly fulfilling his duties by following his prescribed dharma. He's yeah. a fighter and Krishna told him to fight. So I'm going to fight. So in a way, in Arjuna's case, because Krishna told him to, it's a mesh of karma yoga and bhakti yoga, but essentially being a satri and doing his duties, that's karma yoga. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what Krishna is doing here. He's trying to explain each of the ways in which we can serve him. Right. Mm -hmm. And like trying to clarify for us, for all of us that are trying to find, some of us might be career people and how do we connect to Krishna? Or some of us might be like wanting to just serve at the temple. Right. Yeah. So it's like, he's explaining each and every one of those things. Yeah. And last thing I just wanted to connect to, since karma yoga does rid you yourself of your ego, because you're seeing yourself as an instrument of Krishna. I wanted to bring up a beautiful example of, for example, in the, uh, it says when not here in the Bhagavad Gita and another of our texts, when Brahma, who was, who came from Vishnu, the creator of the universe, Brahma was praying to Vishnu to not become proud when he was about to create all living beings. So someone as powerful as Brahma prayed that when I'm about to do my duty, my karma yoga, or in that case, my, my bhakti yoga, since he's offering it up as a service, he prayed to, to Vishnu to not become proud before doing so. He prayed so, for humility. Yeah. Right. So through karma yoga, it's a process of altering our consciousness, getting rid of our ego, being detached from the results because all we have to do is our duty and Krishna will take care of 
everything else. And if you can believe that, your life becomes magical on a moment-to-moment basis. Well, if Brahma had to ask for help, I mean, <laughs> I mean it's, oh, it's really <laughs> hard for the rest of us. I know, right? Mm. So, but all we can do is try, right? All we can do is try in this yeah, lifetime. Try. And that wraps up our episode for today. We will start our next episode with chapter three, text number eight. But thank you so much for listening, everybody. See you next time. Tune in later. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, beautiful souls. If you like what you're hearing, please follow us on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast. And if you love what you're hearing, please make sure to share a link to our podcast at Modern Yogi Podcast with all your friends, families, and long lost cousins. And if you have any questions at all, send us a DM on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you. Thank you for listening to The The Modern Modern Yogi. Yogi.